0: Welcome, welcome to the 15th episode of the Revolutionary Star Broadcasting, live and direct from Arara, Zimbabwe, to the comfort of wherever you are right now in our global world. Today is Sunday, the 1st of November, 2020. Today, we are coming in and we're having our 15th episode where we are talking about any type of substantive topic here in Zimbabwe that we may have missed during these past COVID months or when we were offline. Now, uh, this week, we're going to be talking about Fumvudza. Right? Its consequences? Is this political hype? Is it a political hit job? Is it a hack? Is it propaganda? Or is it actually food security productivity at its best? Before we get it and delve into this topic, we would just like to give a shout out to uh, foundationsforfarming.org, where we got a lot of information about what this uh, program is, how it started, where it's from, uh, who were the people behind it, how they approached the government. Apparently, it's uh, located in several other African countries besides Zimbabwe itself. And if you need more information, we highly suggest you go visit their website, which is www.foundationsforfarming.org. Org. you can get more details and contact numbers are over there if you want to get some of the inputs that the government uh, is supplying to people who are willing to participate into this program we suggest you visit the um Ministry of Agriculture at the Gunguyanga building along Borodore Road. Or just uh, hit us up on our message box and we can try and get you in contact with at least uh, a field director or somebody who can point you in the right direction of how to get it popping on your little backyard, little hustle with this from So, what is from Well, the Fumvuzo concept is is a climate-smart concept. Uh, this is what the, the, the pros and intelligentsia say it is. And it's supposed to mitigate against the drought because the plot size to feed a family for a year is so small that it can be water planted on time, and can also be watered by hand with a bucket in terms of uh, weather stress. That's pretty much in a nutshell what this is all about. So at its peak just before 2000, Zimbabwe was contributing about 30% of our GDP. Uh, and uh, this is farming. Farming was contributing about 30%. And it was directly employing over about, uh, let's, let's say, about 500,000 to about a million people in Zimbabwe. This is around the year 2000. And at the same time, Zim around this time was like a net exporter of, we're talking grain, any type of grain, cereals, uh, wheat, tobacco, beef, sugar, vegetables, flowers, honey. Uh, you name it. We were in it. we were actually competing on a lot of markets. Uh, Horticulture was another one as well. Flowers. Uh, so among other products, this is what we were really populating in when it was around 2000. Note, by the time it got to 2000, the productivity level had really gone down a lot. All this changed when the land reform program hit. Now, we're a revolutionary star. We totally believe that the land belongs to the people. And you know, there was a great injustice that was done when the land was uh, taken from Africans in the first place. So the land reform program, whether or not it was a shitty way of being doing it, it had to be something that had to be done. It was a difficult thing that had to be done, but it had to be done. That It is what it is. And we stand with what ended up happening. Now, the modalities of how the land reform program actually got done, that that's where the problem is. People who didn't deserve to get then land, got the land, and the mechanisms in which the land was done really didn't miss, didn't really, how can I put it, line up properly. So this historically now skewed up the whole land ownership structure within Zimbabwe. And of course, the land ownership structure had been interest in colonialism. The land reform program not being done well only made it worse because now the entrenched uh, land ownership structure from colonialism, then you take out the land and then you don't have a proper manner in which you can transition from a land ownership structure based on the colonial system into a land reform uh, program to give this back to indigenous people was not done properly. So we are currently still in this mess right now. But the biggest reason why I'm even bringing this up, because that's a totally different topic on its own, is that it affected the productivity within Uh, Zimbabwe, within the land itself. The land didn't get utilized the way it is. White people took all their information, um, all those years in the agricultural patterns of farming, that in-depth, substantive knowledge of how the land was being farmed, and the loans that they were using, payroll loans, and all that other stuff, input loans. White people, when they got kicked out, they got kicked out with that shit too. When we kicked them out, we threw out the baby and the water at the same time. That's pretty much what it is. So a few white commercial farmers, maybe around 2,000, about 4,500, controlled 75% of all the commercial agricultural land in Zimbabwe. However, that land reform program cut that down considerably. And when they did that and they got rid of the white people, the white commercial farmers in Zimbabwe, funding from banks also dried up. Banks also became very reluctant to advance loans to new farmers who had no title on that land, and unsecured loans were very ripe for disaster in the financial services. And of course, Chef, you know, will all be getting dollars, and you know, CBZ was uh, top-heavy uh, top when it came to giving out loans to people who didn't uh, deserve it. So this is just like a brief background of where we were in Zim. Up until now, our productivity hasn't come back on point because, one, you've got farmers who are not really good at farming. Some of them don't even deserve to be on the land, real talk. Then we got uh, financial institutions which are very unwilling... To give loans to farmers who are indigenous and have got no farming pattern right now that they can come back and show that they have some type of consistent way of farming which yields results. Nothing like that so far as well. So you're left with the government trying to actually subsidize and push this uh, project through. I got to give props to the United States of America. The... I don't even know why I'm saying props, but recently our agricultural bank got lifted from the U.S. Treasury so they can start getting money from sourcing money and getting transactions outside. That's going to help farmers in the long run here in Zimbabwe. So, yeah, no to sanctions, but at least the Treasury Department is now taking a little bit of a stance away from agricultural things. So we got to give props where props is due. So this is where we are now. Low productivity, droughts, the usual shit that comes with a uh, farming uh, uh, country uh, disorganization, lack of implementation and methodology when it came to handing out that land, and then some people who are just uh, they're holding on to the land uh, on a speculative basis. Or they actually rent that land back to the white people who actually were kicked off the land in the first place, rent owning people. So, that's cottages, it's actually a very big uh, industry now. This is where we are. So we were now faced with a situation where Zimbabwe was actually importing cereals and other inputs into the country that we could actually be able to grow ourselves. This is where the president and his administration stepped in with uh, this project called the Fumvuzo concept. Now, the Fumvuzo concept had been there for a while, but apparently from the research that we've been doing behind the scenes, which is not being reported in the media, these dudes were being shut down. The, the idea had been stolen a while back and no recognition had been given to foundations for farming. These dudes then went to Kenya, tried it in Kenya. They've tried it in a couple of other countries, if I'm not mistaken. Then they came back and then for some reason, this year, the government finally came around to what these guys were saying. It's a homegrown concept which is very uh, known, well-known, or procedurally known by Africans anyway. As in, the This is how we used to farm a little bit on a rural type base with that. The only thing is that they've taken an old concept. And in my view, this is my view. They've taken an old concept and have just innovated it and made it more relevant and uh, to our current generation or current era. So what's the methodology to conservation agriculture for a small-scale farmer. That's pretty much what it is. Again, we got to give props to Foundations for Farming. They are the ones who came up with this concept, they've been lobbying for this concept and uh, have been given the green light to try and push it throughout Zimbabwe. Not only in the rural areas, but this can also be applied to urban areas as well. Uh, so, what's the, what is it all about? Well, in Africa, 33% of small-scale farmers you know, are undernourished, you can check that out with the uh, World Food Program, uh, the 2010 report that they did. The national yield for Zimbabwe was cited as less than 0.5 in 2009. Now, this is <laughs> uh, this is crazy, man. Basically, we were struggling. That's all I can say. Well, many well-meaning non-governmental organizations who understood the conservation agriculture uh, and knew that this was a sustainable solution, had predicaments when it came to providing inputs and trying to persuade farmers that there was a better way of agriculture, that was homegrown. So this is where the issue was. So what happened was the foundations for farming, which it's not just in Zimbabwe, it's regional, right, when it comes to this, came up with this way that how are we going to be able to actually acclimatize the farmer and get them interested in farming in a small scale way that actually gets results and also establish the joy of farming and instill hoping to individual farmers in rural communities on how to develop things that can make them farm and get results even though there are so many limiting factors that make it difficult for farming especially with climate change happening yes donald trump climate change is real so this was the primary objective of foundations for farming. They partnered up with the government and they came up with fumvuzi. Fumvuzi, simply put, right, is just new season. That's what fumvuzi means, and it's very precise. It's a precise way of agriculture based on an old rudimentary way of doing it. So inputs that are used is that they you divide the actual seeds into two, twenty-three kg packs, and uh, okay. All the inputs are divided into two 23 kg packs, right? So here's what the packet has packet one will have two 6 kg bags of agricultural lime, right? Packet two will have two 8 kgs of basal fertilizer, right? Okay, these are packs. Let me get let me put it like this. Okay, let me tell you what you need. Let me not put all the numbers. You need two. 6 kg bags of agricultural lime, 2 bags of 8 kg basal fertilizers, 2 1 kg bags of maize seed, 2 4 kgs of top dressing. Google that if you don't know what it is. And then 2 4 kgs of another top dressing, 2 5 milliliter fertilizer cups, 2 8 milliliter, eight milliliter fertilizer cups. These are then... What I just said is going to be divided into two packs, right? We're going to split this up into so it's basically two phases, right? So these quantities have been divided into two easily transportable packs and ensure that there is enough nutrients to plant 1,456 stations. Get it? 1,436 stations. So you get a rectangular, a rectangular block of land. This rectangular block of land uh, generally should be uh, 16 meters by 39 meters. Right? And you demarcate this early, early, early in the season, right? right? The longer side is prefer- preferably extending down a slope, right? And then you use steel pegs which are there to permanently identify the corners for your rectangular uh, block of land. Now, all plant material in the internal area of this plot plot is then removed using a hole. You remove everything, do timber, Remove everything. The plants must be cut off at ground level with a minimal soil disturbance. All this plant material is then evenly spread over the entire area. Note again, all this plant material is then evenly spread over the entire area providing providing a thick mulch layer timber, you get rid of all that plant material, you don't get rid of it. You then take that plant material, then you spread it over that in same entire area that you just did what you just did. And then if insufficient material is available, at least 30% ground cover, additional material must be added. We're trying to create mulch on top of that rectangular block of land that you've just cleared. Due to the unbelievably small area of land being utilized, this additional material is easily found, especially when the process is done early in the season. Again, they're trying to stress to you try and get this done early. Right. Using those corner pegs I mentioned before as guides, you now carefully dig 8 centimeter deep planting stations in a matrix of 60 centimeters by 75 centimeters across the entire area. These are just like little holes. That's it. Little holes, right? Basically, that's what it is. And these are the dimensions, 60 centimeters by 75 centimeters with an 8 centimeter deep planting. It's just a spherical little little holes. So you're planning all these holes across that area. In a row, spacing across the slope will be 60 centimeters. So you space it across 60 centimeters down that slope, right? So a plot of 16 by 39 meters will result in a total of 1,456 holes, Planting stations. The hole should also be dug with the soil being deposited on the downward side of the station. The field should be kept weed free at all times, right? So you you gotta do your weeding over there. After you've done that, a five millimeter cup of agricultural lime from the first pack is then spread across the base of the planting station. After which an 8 milliliter cup of basil fertilizer from pack 2 is also placed along the base of the planting station. Those little small holes. Now you're putting in the 5 mm basil and the fertilizer. After this, the fertilizer is carefully covered with a small amount of soil to ensure there is no direct contact between the fertilizer and the seed. During this covering process, it's essential that a basin of 5 centimetre in depth is maintained to ensure an even planting depth. We're talking about one hole here. That one hole is what we said is a station. We're calling this a station. After the first effective rainfall of 70 millimeters, which is uh, after the 15th of November, has been received, that's when you plant the seeds, right? The ideal timing should be during the month of November. Three seeds are evenly placed within each of the planting stations from pack three. Right. They say pack three, but like I'm just I, here, I'm just giving you a basic runaround on how you actually get it done. So let me repeat that: three seeds are evenly placed within each of the planting station at a depth of five centimeters and then covered. The stations are leveled, without depression, and preferably covered with mulch. Three weeks after emergence, if possible, when the soil is most, the field is thinned to two plants per planting station. Let me repeat that three weeks after emergence of the plant if possible when the soil is still moist the field is thinned to two plants per planting station this ensures that there is an optimal population of 44,000 plants per hectare now allowances are made where there are less than two plants in a, in, a, in a station an extra plant is left in one of the adjoining stations these stations that i mentioned before those are the little holes that i mentioned At this point in time, three weeks after emergence, the first two split top dressings is applied from, this is five millimeter cups, of the basil and the fertilizer. The top dressing is split to avoid large nutrient loss in times of high rainfall. This is done 10 centimeters from the plants on the upslope side. A second application is done once the crop begins to tassel. Right. Everything that I've said here is just normal. Stuff that happens when you plant it, right? Only it's a little bit more specific, right? However, what is really unique about this is that the plot has been designed, as in the plot where you're farming this, has been designed in such a way that it is easily possible for a family to harvest a bucket of maize from each row. This bucket of maize, approximately 17 kg of shelled kernels, is adequate to feed a family of six for a week. To achieve this, each of the 56 plants per 16 meters must produce at least one cob weighing, weighing 300 grams. You see? Now, you've heard it. it sounds like a whole bunch of uh, specifics, right? But that's exactly the case. There, Basically, this project seems to be about spacing and efficiency on how you actually plant the material and the amount of inputs you use. So they've reduced the size so that it's easier for a family to do it on their own without having to use too many uh, equipment uh, amongst themselves. Now, has this actually worked is what my next question would be. Well, according to them, uh, Foundations for Farming, this was proven uh, possible on a small scale at their Rest Haven Retreat uh, demonstration plots in Harare. And they've planted uh, and they got 12,000 of these packs were planted and they came up with results that's what they said so why hasn't this been why has this been uh, so slow to be adopted in africa is what the next uh, question would be well that's a good question other people may say it's uh, politics other people may say, you know, it's ownership that you uh, got it in, uh, where, you know, most of the time, you know, the funding and so forth. But they say that this can actually work. They've cut it down. They've made it into a situation where it's a very small scale. Everybody else can, can get it done. The cost for what we're talking about is that um, two of these packs go for like 50 bucks or less, right? They're trying to cut down the... the uh, cost as much as possible that initial part where I mentioned that you're going to have uh, that uh, mulch building up also helps with the cost just being uh, reduced when it comes to the amount of fertilizer and basil and topping top dressing that you're going to use so this is how they've been looking at how they can actually get this all cut down and help for small scale farmer small piece of land uh, spacing efficiency on the way you use your fertilizer initial uh, prep of the land so you can make it more fertile by using that mulch. add all to this with jute, and that's why they're trying to do this two to three weeks before the rainy season so Due to the limited size of a Fufuza plot, adequate mulch cover can be achieved. Rainfall also affects the standards of many farmers crops either due to late start or dry spells during the season. A dedicated farmer who has taken ownership of his plot will be able to apply enough irrigation by hand. Oh that's another thing. Since it's a small area, you can actually water this on your own rather than have, again they're cutting down costs. Big time the cutting down costs. So farmers who own limited land sizes as well as women are no longer excluded as with from Fuza. Both groups can effectively be involved. This is really targeted at small scale all the way. So from the way we're seeing here the revolutionary star is that Fumvutza is a concept that was developed to feed a family for a year. It highlights the fact that by simply farming at a higher standard, it's possible to feed a family from a very small area of land. However, this requires training to ensure their success. You can tell by the way I was explaining to you that it's very technical and precise. So you're going to have to go through the training. But once you go through the training, it's very teachable to your kids, to your aunties, to your grandma, whoever. And you can just keep passing it down. You Like, this is good for urban areas as well, like in the Dale Dales or airport. Wherever there's a piece of land that's not being used, you can get this done. The availability of the input pack encourages farmers through the convenience of all the inputs being in one place, right? And it's not essential for farmers to, you know, always be going back and forth. You know, if you have a a small scale budget, you buy all the stuff you need at one go and it's cheap. It helps with this thing, getting it done. The government has jumped in with this by providing the inputs as well. That's another thing that I had not mentioned. So that's another thing. So, Fumvoza is only a starting point into smallholder farmer food security and can be applied not only to maize but to many other crops. Combinations of maize with soybeans can be used to feed small chicken units which can also create additional income and nutrition in the longer term. So, again, this is where we are talking about. So, over 3 million farmers, this is according to the Deputy Minister now, over 3 million farmers have already been trained for the Fumvudza farming concept, with the majority of them being women. Again, this is the Deputy Minister of Lands, Agriculture and Water who is saying this. It's Evangelis Aritatos so while he said this he also said three million two hundred and fifty five thousand three hundred seventy eight farmers had been trained with one million seven hundred and seventy two thousand one hundred and eighty three of them being women he's saying that this is actually getting the stuff popping and he's saying that because of the low productivity and the low production the company had become a perennial net import of cereal grains he's trying to stop that the low productivity was caused by a number of factors among them poor. Agronic, uh, agronomic practices, poor soils, the impact of climate change, the failure to approach agriculture from a business perspective by both the farmer and the government. He didn't say government, he said extension systems, though, but it's the government. Climate change impacts were also an issue that characterized poor rainfall seasons, prolonged mid-season dry spells, very high temperatures during the growing season, and early cessation of rains. The early cessation of rains, I've been seeing that over and over again ever since I came back to Zimbabwe from the diaspora. This is a fact. Climate change is a fact, Donald Trump. It's a fact. Right. So, thus, the adoption of the Fumvudza concept, which is based on conservation agriculture principles, will help climate proof agricultural production and, in particular, the food production subsector. The product is a big political strategy. This is now opposition. The opposition is saying the project is a big political strategy to woo the rural vote. And unfortunately for the opposition, yes, 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 it will, because this will bring results. Now, opposition is saying, yo, you guys are getting these good things and inputs. Yeah, you're going to get some maize, but it's not going to change the overall agricultural production. Changing production figures needs much more than politicking. It needs farmers getting title deeds funding, extension services, new seed varieties, and improved markets, all of which are not being provided for at the current moment. So how do you get this done? One more thing that we need to know is that the opposition is also saying that it's time that Zimbabwe also moved back to the June, I mean f- apologies, from the July to June financial year. A financial year that puts resources on the table ahead of the agricultural season. A financial year that allows all agricultural production to be factored in. Fumvudza, or no, Fumvudza will not change the country's fortunes. Now, that's the opposition. What do we here at the revolutionary start think? Well, Is it politics at play here? Obviously. There's nothing in this world that doesn't have a bit of politics in it. And yeah, the president and his administration are milking this for as much as they can. And you can't blame them. This is a sure bet. You're giving people inputs. They're farming the stuff for themselves. And at the end of the rainy season, they're going to have maize. Yes, it is a political campaign, too. Now, will it affect the overall productivity of the country? No, I don't think so. And I don't think, yeah, the revolutionaries thought we discussed this. It went 50-50. Some people say that you're teaching a whole nation how to farm and you can uh, extrapolate this and, uh, you know, extrapolate it and it can keep growing, you know, until it gets to a cumulative number. Well, we will leave you, the reader and the listener, to decide for yourself. However, this is really the, the where you find that the government is using this as a political tool is, by the way, they're saying this is about food security and making sure each family is self-sustainable on its own. They're not talking about the GDP here. And so when opposition says this is not going to affect GDP, I think opposition is correct on this one. This is not going to affect the GDP. However, it will affect an individual sitting at home who doesn't have to buy maize from O.K. and everything. And now all they have to do is probably buy a grinding mill chigayo and then you can do everything at home. So maybe the only cost that is going to go up will probably be your, your electricity bill. A lot of urban people have been doing this uh, where they look for places where they can farm. They want they harvest their maize and then they just go and then they get uh, they, they go to a chigayo and then they get the stuff done we are seeing this trend over and over again so in the long run the government is going to win zan pf is correct that in the long run they are teaching a nation how to be self-sustainable the problem is that they're not teaching a nation how to be business-minded nothing of this is coming from a business perspective so we still have a problem with fumvudza that the government is now be, taking the country back to its agricultural roots where it's encouraging the whole nation Work, 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 work for uh, harvest what you work for, kill what you eat. But it's not business minded. There hasn't come in that fact of economic empowerment. How do you actually hustle this? How do you get this working? If you're going to get maize, how can you make it into stock feed so you can field your, uh, feed your cows? Or how are you flipping this to make a dollar? How are we? In, uh, how is this going to benefit when you go to Angola and you're trying to export to Angola pigs? This is where the government is still lacking and this is how you can tell that this is a political gimmick which is going to work by the way don't get me wrong just because i said it's a gimmick doesn't mean it's not going to work it's going to work because they're actually appealing to a certain electorate and the electorate is going to come back and vote for them combine this with the fact that they've started a mechanization program and they've also started uh, rehabilitating major highways in zimbabwe this is not me talking out of my ass this is a fact Across Zimbabwe right now, there have been several areas where they've been upgrading their highways. I don't know where the money came from, and I'm still trying to figure that out because we're dealing with RTGS right now, and you know what we used to say at the Revolutionary Star about the RTGS bond. So maybe we were wrong. We had to actually go back to the drawing board and look over what's really going on, and we're going to come back with another episode to discuss that. what really is popping off because, hate it or not, the country looks like it's going through shit, but... There are certain pockets where you can actually see progress being made, you know? So you gotta ask where is this progress coming from? How is this actually being done? How are people getting this shit done? Right? And if you the minute you leave an urban area like Arari and you go into a rural area, you can actually see that people are participating in these government programs. So the media that's outside the international media may not be able to actually see how much of an impact the government, i.e. Zarpief is baking on the ground with these local people so this is from Wurza for you is it political is a political party going to gain from this hell yeah a political party is going to gain from this is it overly a good product yes anything that brings food security to a country that is under sanctions right now benefits the country however that is not besides the point that this does not teach any long-term benefits of how we as a country can get out of the economic mess that we are doing. We need the agricultural industry to be very business minded and capitalistic so that we can get it reflecting on our GDP balance. So this is what we have to say here from the revolutionary star. This has been Kome Super Cabral coming in with the Fumvuzza On this September the 1st and we thank you for listening to us we're going to be coming in with more substantive topics as the month and the end of the year continues and we hope that as we grow you grow you tell your fellow comrades to listen to us as a podcast and we keep it moving at the end of the day it's not about political parties it's about what is best for our country as Zimbabwe if a government is messing up we'll tell you if the opposition is messing up we will tell you but at the end of the day it's what's best for Zimbabwe and again no to sanctions sanctions are messed up no to regime change regime change are messed up no to opposition just to oppose if you want to oppose give us an alternative solution knowing how much of a messed up situation we are in right now because of sanctions let's keep it real politics and pragmatic again this is comment super cabral from the revolutionary star signing out roger out